grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. From Psalm 44, verse 22, it says, For your sake we are killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. It's a word for this morning. You may be seated. So we start off with a somber song and, and some somber words as we are in the second week of our, our sermon series, The Songs of the Messiah. Uh, last week, Pastor Adams did a beautiful job as he talked about the penitential psalms, the psalms where you are invited to uh, repent and truly just believe in the good news of Jesus Christ, him coming and his resurrection hope that we have. Uh, he mentioned a quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He said, the penitential psalms are probably the most human. Well, if those are the most human, today's psalms are probably the most brutally honest. God invites us to be brutally honest with him. He invites us to be real, if you would, with his, with, with our life challenges, with our life trials, with our life circumstances. And I'm going to take this word real and, and break it down into four different topics as we look at these psalms, these anguishes, these cry of the heart. Uh, there's some 50 or 60 of these psalms in scripture. And I think it's good that we have things like this because these are words that just allow us to just express what we're feeling. And, and you know, the, the thing is, is like today's psalm, it doesn't end pretty. It doesn't end cleanly. It basically ends with a question. It starts off praising God. And by verse 9, it turns into a question. And it's a one big question after another and by the time you get to verse 26, it leaves you with wondering, Lord, how are you going to respond? And then just invites us to trust into his sovereignty. So we're going to look at the laments. And you may remember that churchy word, uh, Victor Rodriguez, uh, his first sermon out of the gate, stood right in this pulpit and did an excellent job of, of communicating what lament was. And he gave you a hook, something to hold on to. It was a conversation went like this. God, there's something that's not right here between you and me. And that's exactly what we're doing today. We're, we're being honest. We're being real with our Lord. This particular psalm, Psalm 44, is written by someone we don't know, inspired by God. It's reflecting on a community that's in absolute despair, the, the people of God maybe during their exile. And we seem to know something about communities being in despair. It's still in the news, the, the terrible, tragic events that happened in, in Parkland, Florida, the, those school shootings. And, and I was blown away by a statistic that I saw. Um, do you realize how many school shootings there's been since January 1, 2018? There's been 18 from the first day of this year till now. What in the world is going on? Communities in despair that's just left with questions. And, and now as the news comes out about more and more of what's taking place, it, it turns out there maybe there were some warning signs. Maybe someone in a position of authority could have intervened and, and you're just left with this anguish of this gut wrench and, and why? Well, they're real questions. And, and on the screen are maybe the types of questions that you have from time to time. What, what do we do when life throws us a curveball or and God seems distant? 
Another way to ask this question is, how do we move from the anguish, the cry of our heart, to, to actually having hope? Well, Psalms 44 serves as a beautiful roadmap to take God up on his invitation, to be real with him. And it, it kind of lays out maybe a process or, or something that we can do as we lean in and trust on God. So here it is, the very first words. God, we've heard with our ears, and our fathers have told us what the deeds you performed in their days, in the days of old, basically in the good old days. Another psalm, lament psalm, puts it this way. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your, your wonders of old. So what, what word jumps out at you? It's okay to, to answer. What word jumps out at you on the screen? Remember. Yeah, so if we take God up as on, on his invitation to be real with him, what he's telling us in Scripture as we follow his roadmap is to be, remember what God has done. And so here we go. We get to remember some of the things that God has done. Now, I thought about doing this. I thought about walking down here and coming right down the middle of the aisle and asking you to answer this question. But guess what you would do? Don't overthink this, okay? And don't feel bad. I asked our teachers and some Stephen leaders, and they did the same thing. And then they answered, okay? So these are some things that they came up with. Creation. See, we don't have to overthink it. What are things God has done? Creation. Miracles, past and, and present. The cross and the, and the resurrection, the work that Jesus did there for us. And then three mentioned unconditional love. The Bible, how it's filled with God's promises, how it's timeless and it's relevant even today. It's, it's our roadmap. The gift of the Holy Spirit and the faith that he's worked in your hearts. Those are things that God has done. A servant heart, peace, healing. And then he's led ordinary people to do extraordinary things and he still does. God wants us to remember what he's done. And then as we remember what he's done, he invites us to continue on as, as we go to him with the anguish of our hearts. And the scripture says it this way. The next section of scripture, the next four verses are summarized like this. It says, Lord, you are my king. It's not in my bow that I trust, nor my sword save me. In other words, I'm not trying to do this on my own. But you have saved us, and we will give thanks to your name forever. And then at verse 9 all the way to verse 26, it takes a turn into a big, big question. But what are these sections of scriptures? As God reminds us to be real, he invites us to remember, and then he invites us to expect that God's going to keep his promises. God is trustworthy. The cross proved that. There's, a, there's an author... Uh, by the name of Larry Crabb. Maybe you know of him. He actually had a brother that was killed in a plane accident. And when he was grieving and going through the grief process, uh, he shared that he had a, a friend write him a letter of just some comforting words, and it simply said, you can always trust the one that laid down his life for you. We can trust Jesus. He's proved it. 
so we can remember what God has done. We can expect that God is going to keep his promises. And, and we have a, a beautiful promise that Jesus gives us right at the end of Matthew 28. Just before he goes up to be with his father, he, he tells us how to make disciples. We baptize and you teach. And then he says, lo, I'll be with you always to the very end of the age. They, that's his promise. And we can expect him to keep those promises. Now I get it. You still have questions. I still have questions. And what do we do with those questions? Here are some in, in Scripture. Yet for your sake we are killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. And the psalmist cries at this point. As it comes to a crescendo, it says, Awake! Why are you sleeping, Lord? Sleeping, Lord. Reminds me of the New Testament story where Jesus was asleep in a boat. There's a storm and the disciples look at him. Lord, don't you care that we're perishing? Why are you sleeping? And then he gets up and wakes and calms the waters, calms the storm. So here's this continuity of God's care and concern for each one of us as the psalmist cries out, why are you sleeping? And Jesus shows that he's not asleep at the wheel. But it's the, the gut wrench question that we have. Are you still there? And God's inviting us as we are real with him. We remember what he's done. We expect that he's going to keep his promises. And we ask God, why? We have permission to be brutally honest with him and, and just to ask him. Now, teaching moment here. There's, there's a difference between turning to God and, and asking him why versus turning and complaining about God. Okay? Turning to God and asking him why is what we see in the Psalms, these laments. Turning away from God and complaining is, is a story that you see in Numbers. Okay? The, the Israelites, they've been wandering around in the wilderness. They're a little hungry. Eleven chapters into Numbers, they're upset. They take out their frustrations with God and, and what he's been providing them on Moses. And, and they say things like this, oh man, if only we had meat. Oh. Do, do, do you remember the fish? Yeah. Oh, and the cucumbers and the leeks and the garlic. Oh. And now all we have is this powdery substance, manna. <laughs> what is it? God's just brought us out here to die. That's a complaint. They're complaining to Moses about God. And God answers that complaint with wrath. He says, oh, you want meat? Okay, I'll give you meat as the Numbers 11 continues. It says, you're not going to have meat for two days or three or a week. No, you're going to have meat until it starts to come out your nostrils. There's a difference between those who believe in God and those that don't. Those that don't believe in God say things like, if there is a God, why would he allow things like this to happen? It's a complaint. Those that believe in God say, Lord, why are things like this happening? And then he invites us to trust in his sovereignty. 
as he invites us to be real with him, as we remember what he's done, expect that he's going to keep his promises and ask him why, he then invites us to just lean into his strength. Yet for your sake we are killed all the day. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Paul takes these words and he incorporates them into Romans 8. Um, very touching, moving words when people are facing persecution uh, in the community of Rome. He says it like this. He says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Paul's reminding us that it's okay to cry out to God, but then we can trust in his provision. We can lean in to his strength. There's something else that we do as, as Christians, as we are invited to be real. Some of us will take verses like Deuteronomy 31, 6 and, and Joshua 9, and, and it says, be strong and courageous. Well, I'm trying, Pastor. <laughs> I'm clawing through life. I'm trying to be strong. And You know what? Words like this, at this kind of time, they're, they're not helpful. You might as well be saying things like, God's only going to give you what you can handle, and that's taking Scripture and twisting it and making it what it's not. Rather, God invites us in Psalm 46 to just simply be still. To lean into his strength, to be still and know that he is God. This is the picture of a child that's crying unconsolably, scooped up by a loving parent and held and consoled as they cry and they just let it out. And God's saying, just be still. Just be held. Don't claw through life. I've got you. So we can be real with God. When we are anguished, when we are trying to move from anguish to having hope, simply just follow God's roadmap that he lays out for us in Scripture. He invites us to remember what he's done. Expect that he's going to keep his promises. Ask him why. And then lean into his strength. Amen? Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard our hearts and lives in Christ Jesus. Amen.